Trigger warning, Death and Friends is not a podcast for the light of heart. Many dark and serious subjects will come up. Listener discretion is advised. Did, did you hear that? that? That what? It's like a rapping, a tapping <sighs> at, okay. at my chamber door. Mm-hmm. Sir or madam, truly your forgiveness I implore. Oh, Jesus Christ. You done yet? But the fact is I was napping. And so gently you came rapping, and so faintly hey, Dom. you came tapping, tapping at my chamber door, that I was scarce hey, Dom. sure I heard you. Could you Here, could you just... I open wide the door. That'd be great. Darkness. Yep, I got it. There and nothing more. All right. Here we go. Death comes for us all. You might as well make it your friend. Your friend. With us. love most about that poem uh probably everything is spooky bitch okay how polite they are to each other like it's a haunting boo but the ghost is like can i come in and haunt you please and you're like hey so sorry i was sort of sleeping it's fine but like welcome to death and friends and hello skeleton army i'm angel and this weird orb of darkness is nash hello all right uh today we're talking about our good buddy edgar king spoopy and we are also talking about the history of the obituary. Death notices. Good old dead people resumes. Hmm. We bet you're wondering how those two topics are related. But don't worry. <laughs> Just like elder millennials with printed map quest directions, we will get there. <laughs> you guys thought I was old. You are old. That reference was just for you. Uh, okay. Paint the picture before you run out of time on Earth, Nash. Fine. It's October 3rd, 1849. And it's cold and rainy. We're in Baltimore, Maryland, and we are both queued up for a good old U.S. election. Doing some civic duties over... Wait, what, uh... What's that? Is that a, is that a guy? In the gutter? Mm-hmm. There's definitely a person over there. In the grass. Huh. Oh, yeah, I see some legs. Uh, that guy's got it. Oh, by that guy, do you mean Joseph W. Walker? I guess so <laughs> you sure do nash walker's about to discover the man in the gutter is none other than famed poet and literary critic edgar Allan poe poe's in a terrible state he isn't very coherent and he can't move on his own his clothes are ill-fitting he smells like ass how are you doing this talking no how do you know what's going on it's called narrating <laughs> <laughs> right but Walker, afraid for Poe's life, calls for Dr. Joseph Snodgrass. <laughs> Poe lingers for nearly four full days in partial delirium before departing this world on October 7th, 1849. He never explains how he came to be in the state he was discovered in. His official cause of death is recorded as phrenitis, or swelling in the brain. But more on this later. Back to you, Nash. It's been nearly a week since Poe... You can do too. Um, oh my god, I can't. How? Shh, shh, If you question the magic, it doesn't work. Okay. It's been nearly a week since Poe was last seen, which was on September 27th, when he left Richmond, Virginia for Philadelphia for a quick editing job. He was never conscious enough to explain how he came to be in Baltimore in his disheveled condition, and his death is still a mystery to this day. Okay. All right. This is cool. But this episode isn't just about... <coughs> 
<coughs> narrator voice is difficult. <clears throat> oh, it burns. All right. Let's, I'm just going to. All right. Uh, but this episode isn't just about post-death. Because today we're also talking about obituaries, sometimes called death notices or death announcements. Poe's first obituary would set the tone for how the world came to know and remember him. As a dark, complicated drunk with a gambling problem. We'll get into all that in a hot minute, but first, let's tell you a bit about Edgar before he shows up in a ditch in Baltimore. We're headed to Boston, Massachusetts, in the Wayback Machine to January 19th, 1809. Yes, the year of Nash's conception, and apparently her southern accent. <laughs> Both things can be true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No. Big big Texas accent in Massachusetts near Boston. <laughs> in 1809, yes. And eight, bless your heart. <laughs> bless your heart. It's 1809. These fucking potatoes went to shit. <clears throat> we got that all was this before goddamn. That. We're before now that. We, oh, sorry. You know, I don't, you know, I lose all the facts after we do an episode on it. It's a linear timeline. Edgar Allan Poe is being born, or at least Edgar Poe is. His parents are both actors, but daddy David Poe Jr. runs out for a pack of cigarettes in 1810 and forgets to come back. Some say he's still in line to this day. He smoked American spirits because, and this is true, of course he did. This leaves Eliza, Edgar's mum, to raise him, his older brother Henry, and his little sister Rosalie, all by herself, in 19th century Boston, as a woman, like by herself, in 19th century Boston. Boston. She dies in 1811 from consumption, which we talked about in a previous episode, leaving her children orphans. Yep, you should have seen the sick smile that came across Natchez's Natchez's face when she said consumption. <laughs> Love me some consumption. Mmm, just mm. say the word that all girls want to hear: consumption. Consumption. Talk oh, about Percy Brown. Oh god. <laughs> Edgar gets taken in by the Allen family in Richmond, Virginia. They're stupid rich, mm. like most rich people, though. Shitty. And Daddy Allen, uh, Daddy, do I, Jesus Christ, do I have to do this? Yes. Daddy. <laughs> Daddy is a merchant, and he's dealing just all of it, just wheat, gravestones, cloth, tobacco, people, like slaves, people, you know, just classic rich people shit. Mm. A walking manure heap. They take Edgar in and give him a formal, expensive education, including bringing him abroad to Scotland and England for school, and later to the University of Virginia and to West Point. But they never formally adopt him. It's during his university years that things with the island start to sour. Just, uh, just a wee bit. Mm -hmm. Edgar complains that his allowance isn't enough to cover the cost of his education, and to support himself, in his words, has to turn to gambling. Unfortunately, he starts to get into debt faster than he can make money, and pretty soon his debt is high enough that he asks his foster father to bail him out. Papa Allen refuses, perhaps trying to get Oh, his... nice Papa Allen? Mm-hmm. Papa. Oh, God. <laughs> it's worse. <laughs> it's getting worse. It's getting worse. He refuses, perhaps trying to get his foster son to learn about frugality, or perhaps to try to get him murdered by whatever they called bookies in the 19th century. Who's to say? Ye old so, bookies. <laughs> yeah. 
Edgar does what every young man with his back against the wall in a contentious relationship with his foster parent does. He drops out of school, tries to go home and get married, but discovered his girlfriend got engaged to somebody else while he was away, and then he moves away further from them and enlists in the army under a fake name. As a quick aside, Edgar A. Perry fools no one. No one. No one. Come on, dude. <laughs> You're a writer and everything. You couldn't come up with a better name. You dumb bitch. Yeah. You fucking moron. <laughs> Edgar A. Perry. You even change his first name. What does the A and per- A. Perry stand for? Alan and Perry? Poe? <laughs> like, that's essentially what he did. The best part is he, he took the Alan, right, for his foster parents who never adopted him, but left right. it in his initials when he was trying to hide from them. He just changed his other last name, which had nothing to do with them. Yeah. He's like, I know how they won't find me. Perry. Yeah. What other big-headed goth kids are there? None. It's just you, dude. You're the only one. Uh. The relationship between father and foster son is tense for many years, with a brief period of reconciliation after Mrs. Allen dies in 1829. Ultimately, Edgar decides to leave the military and become a poet, and their relationship never recovers. Mr. Allen refuses to support his foster son and then ends their relationship after Edgar writes to a mutual friend of the family with an aside that includes Mr. Allen as a drunk. Poppy Allen. Poppy Allen? Really? Poppy. Ooh. Poppy Allen gets remarried. He has a son with his new wife. He never talks to Edgar ever again. And Edgar isn't in as well. So I guess that went better than I thought, actually. That went pretty yeah. good. Yeah. I think that went pretty good. I mean, Edgar doesn't have to send anybody a Father's Day card anymore. Papa, can you hear me? Papa, are you burning in hell? Papa, can you see me? I'm shitting on your grave and I'm feeling swell. Uh, Okay, Okay, buddy. I mean, really, the man left Edgar, a man he raised since he was a little... Out of his will. But he made sure to leave money to an illegitimate son he never met. (laughs) Well, that's just rude. Poe goes back to Baltimore and settles in with an aunt named Maria Clem. He gets on his writing game, and thus, his love letter game. Mm-hmm. And he asks his young cousin, Virginia, to bring the letters about town to his ladies. His harem. His shishishades. Shishishades. Just, hey, baby, can you take this letter to that girl over there? Just, thanks. So that's how Edgar Allan Poe got into contact with all his Edgar Allan hoes. 19th century Tinder, baby. Literally swiping at everything that moves. Just to Virginia, like that one. That one. That one over there. That's a rock. I said that one. I want it. (laughs) I need it. Please. I'm so lonely. (laughs) After a bit of writerly struggle, Poe gets his break by getting a short story published in a magazine, and through that... He eventually gets the position of editor at Southern Literary Messenger magazine in Richmond. Under his watch, the magazine becomes one of the biggest, as he publishes short stories and also scathing literary reviews. He is known for his ruthless criticism of both the work and the author, and one of his victims is literary contemporary Rufus Griswold, who will become important in just a minute. At this point, Poe is 27. He moves to Richmond and marries his little cousin Virginia. You know... Maria Clem's daughter, and thereby Edgar's 14-year-old cousin. Yeah, the girl he had delivering his slutty letters all about Baltimore. That cousin. Yeah, yikes. 
The biggest. Yeah. Yikes. Just. It's gross. Yeah. He eventually quits the messenger and moves to Philadelphia and then to New York, working at larger and larger magazines. But still, he's unable to make a living from writing. In 1845, Poe publishes The Raven, which goes a little like this. Don't you, don't you do it. Don't. Mm-mm. But. No. But. Mm-mm. We talked about this. Once upon a minute, no, 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 while no. I wandered, we can no, marry one. Stop, stop, stop. While I wandered, we can marry <sighs> Or while I nodded, nearly napping something. You mother- fine, fine, fine. <sighs> Anyways, the raven makes him a star, baby. But it does nothing for his finances. In 1847, still a very young person, Virginia dies of good old consumption. Poe is devastated. You're not, clearly. <laughs> <laughs> Love some consumption. Oof. For like two years, he's devastated. Yeah. Then he moves back to Richmond and bam! Mm. Runs right into his old ex and surprise, it's the romantic comedy weekend and she's a widow too. Oh gosh. She's a, <laughs> she, she's a widow too, written and directed by Judd Apatow. <laughs> You'd think the whole, whoops, I got engaged while you were out one weekend thing would have really ruined her forever for him, but apparently not. She's still dummy thick, apparently. Mm. <laughs> Terrifying. They get engaged and then Poe's like, hey, babe, I got to run down to Philly real quick for work. But he can do the big white dress thing when I get back in a week. Edgar Allan Poppy? <laughs> Edgar Allan Poppy, baby. Mm. I gotta run down to Philly real quick for work. Famous last words, because he never makes it to Philadelphia. And no one sees or hears from him at all for five days, until our buddy Joseph Walker spots him in the dirt on election day. Well, his famous last words were, Lord, help my poor soul. But yeah, I guess the other thing too. It was like, Dios mío, my soul, <laughs> chingada madre. So besides all the literary accomplishments Edgar Allan Poe literally invented. Science fiction, detective fiction, macabre romanticism. Yes, yes, th- thank literary you. Literary criticism. <sighs> okay, uh, play the jingle before she keeps going. Uh, why? Don't, um, don't, don't worry about it. Truth is, we aren't really sure what killed Edgar Allan Poe. Thus, I can't technically make a medical facts about how he died. Just like he would have wanted. That mysterious bitch. Mm. But there are a few prevailing theories. <laughs> Let's put our detective cap on. <laughs> it's already on, baby. One, he was beaten or mugged, and the blows into his head caused the phrenitis. Two, alcohol abuse, which was, you know, meant he either really drank himself to full-on death, mm. or put himself in a situation where he could get beaten and or mugged. There's a recurring theme here. Yeah. Three. Some kind of poisoning, either carbon monoxide or heavy metals. Four. A brain tumor. Five. <laughs> the flu. Six. Rabies. Or. My personal favorite. Of course it is. Seven. Cooping. Tell them what it is. I'm, I'm gonna. Just hush for a second, you creepy weirdo. Okay, okay. <sighs> Sorry. Hushing. Cooping was a practice spelled with an S. Uh, in the 19th century to commit voter fraud during elections. <laughs> Unsuspecting folks would be dragged or beaten, then dragged to different polling places across towns to vote for a candidate. You know, hmm. actual voter fraud. Yeah. 
They'd often redress the victim in different costumes to disguise their identities. And then when voting was done, just leave them someplace unable to recall what had happened. Weekend at Bernie's, but with U.S. democracy instead of fun times. Yes. I don't think you understood the point of that movie, but sure. Harsh, but fair. I don't understand the point of any movie. Now, just for clarity's sake, some of the conjectured ways have been largely disproved or else called into serious question. For instance, Edgar's hair was tested for metals and carbon monoxide poisoning, and the levels were within normal range. <laughs> it was, which is weird that they tested it at all. It wasn't. They're a like, well, we know it's a wig, but, you know, for the fuck of it. <laughs> the wig didn't have carbon monoxide poisoning, so that's the thing we know now. <laughs> exactly. Could it be a poison they didn't think to test for? Maybe, but unlikely. The alcohol abuse is also a bit murky because it depends on what bit of information and what bit of sources you actually trust. The doctor that Walker called Joseph Snodgrass was the, the big cheese in the temperance movement, and he used Edgar's death as a talking point in later lectures to help folks stay away from alcohol. He's also one of the first to blame alcohol for Edgar's death. But Edgar himself was active in the temperance movement the months before his death, after struggling with it for years. Some historians have noted that he was very sensitive to alcohol, and his biological sister was as well. One of the other major theories is rabies. Rabies, as a disease, is almost always deadly. You kind of forever always die. And it has a bunch of symptoms that match our boy's onset. Presenting at first with confusion and lethargy. Lethargy? Lethargy. Lethargy. Leatherwork. And, uh, <laughs> and then declining rapidly into delirium. Shallow breathing and hallucinations and a widely varying... Varying? Varying. Hmm. And a hardly varying heart rate. Thank you, Nash. In fact, in a 1996 blind study where doctors were given the symptoms and presentation of famous deaths, but denied the biographic information of those figures, Dr. R. Michael Benitez concluded that the patient had died of rabies. The last major theory is the brain tumor one. There's not a ton out there to support this theory, except for a curious little notation when Edgar's body gets exhumed in 1875. He was buried in haste after his death in a small grave in the middle of a busy Baltimore cemetery, but his career explodes after his demise. And so the city decides just, just full-on <laughs> vampire busting out of graves. Mm, Not him, bust. just his career. That's it. Yes. Yeah. This is a metaphor. It's gone badly, but it is. So the city decides to rebury his body under a more prominent statue commemorating him. But his pauper's funeral included a wooden coffin and no embalming fluid like we see today. So not too much was left after 26 years in the ground. One worker at the scene made a little comment about how Poe's brain had hardened and was rolling around his skull. Yep, and at that point he was Edgar Allan Gross. Brains, like most soft tissue, are one of the first things to decompose. So whatever was rolling around in that skull wasn't a brain. But tumors inside the brain can calcify after death and become rock-like, which may be what the worker saw. And in Poe's time, one physician reportedly did tell the author that a legion on his brain caused his poor reaction to alcohol. But look, the official cause of death, recorded by the physician who was with him during his entire illness. Homie was there the entire time. He held his hand. Probably. Probably not. Uh, he said it was phrenitis, which means a swelling of the brain, which today we would call meningitis or encephalitis. Spontaneous.
is combustion. Dying comes and after death comes decomposition. It may seem sad and also gross, but here you are and here's your host, not an actual doctor, but it's medical, medical, medical facts with Dr. Meningitis and encephalitis are largely the same thing. Only meningitis is the swelling of the meninges. Meninges? Meninges. Meninges. The membranes that surround the spinal cord and the brainstem. And encephalitis is swelling anywhere else in the brain. Death by brain swelling is a relatively pretty straightforward thing. Because your brain is held inside your skull, naturally. And there's not a whole lot of extra room in there. Like, it's literally made to fit, right? Uh, the bones in your skull can't actually stretch to accommodate growth at all. So... Anytime there's swelling in your head, the only way that the extra fluid or pressure can go down is onto your brainstem. Right. <laughs> it's a lot. <laughs> so yeah. the brainstem controls and regulates all your body's major functions, including breathing and blood circulation. Too much pressure on that system, it ceases to coordinate those functions. Without air pumping blood, you die. You essentially forget how to function as a human being. Well, your brain does. You're not really conscious, I assume. Yeah, yeah, you're like... Tripping. Yeah, you're like... They're like, I wonder what's wrong with him. It's encephalitis. I think it's encephalitis. Why? Encephalitis. He's saying it. He's saying encephalitis. He's saying the word encephalitis. He can't even speak, and he's saying encephalitis. <laughs> in a point to credit the doctor doing the blind study in 1996, rabies can cause encephalitis. So You're just really it. giving this daddy Benitez doctor all the credit he can get. Just the one time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Just. Yeah, it's fine. Hey. Just, you, know, you know. Dig what science. you dig, man. <laughs> Look, I personally like to think that Edgar was on a bender and an unknown tumor was lurking in his skull when he happened upon some ruffians who wandered around in on election day committing some, you know, just mm. ah, voter fraud. <laughs> Their hijinks go amiss when they meet a crazed rabbit that can barely escape when it bites Poe. He also probably got the flu from all the germs at the poles, right? Yeah, probably heavy metal poisoning, too. Just just some CO2 in the air, you know? Yeah, somebody was yeah. blasting Megadeth. Yeah. Well, he was a pretty unfortunate dude, to be honest. But, as luck would have it, the things denied to Edgar in his life would turn right around for him in death in the form of an old enemy. But, let's take a quick moment for some facts of the fun variety. Fun facts with Nash. Obituaries go all the way back to ancient Rome and were published in the ancient equivalent of newspapers and delightfully reserved for only people of note as a way to update Roman citizens of, well, news, like who murdered whom or what diseases were kicking around. Death notices, as they became known, grew more popular with the invention of the printing press in Germany in the 15th century, but were still mostly reserved for the wealthy and people of status. So... Angel's favorite people. You son of a bitch. In the States, obits explode during the Civil War, as they're the only way to notify next of kin. And over time, obits grow to include full biographies and commemorations of the dead. Yeah, they used to tie a note on a pigeon. They never trained the pigeon. They're just pigeons flying around with them. Mm-hmm, with notes. Fun fact, I used to... Well, if you eat a pigeon, it's called squab. That's how they make it sound fancy, but it's really just pigeon, which is a garbage bird. But... A bit before that, let's chat about Poe's obituary. So Poe dies in October 1849. Hey, 
Do you remember Rufus Griswold? Come on. The guy whose life Poe basically put on blast when he was a literary critic at the Messenger magazine. You know, that guy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, he kept his little grudge alive and well-fed, like super nourished. And he just happens to be the first person who writes the official death notice for his old buddy, old pal, Edgar Allan Poe. Edgar Allan Poe is dead. <laughs> he died in Baltimore the day before yesterday. This announcement will startle many, but few will be grieved by him. The poet was well known personally or by reputation in all his country. He had readers in England and several in the states of continental Europe, but he had few to no friends. The regrets for his death will be suggested principally by the consideration that in him, literary art lost one of its most brilliant, (laughs) but erratic, stars. Look, if you thought Griswold's obit was salty as all fuck, he would later write the first biography of Edgar Allan Poe, and it was worse. Seriously, try to read it sometime. But unfortunately for him, because he clearly thought it would ruin Poe's entire reputation and thus render him obsolete for future generations, it had the complete opposite effect. People couldn't get enough of this mysterious, tortured artist. And no one really remembers old little bitch-ass Rufus? <laughs> like, seriously, though, you, you barely did. We introduced him 20 minutes ago. And you're like, oh, yeah, Rufus. Oh, that guy. That fucking guy. hmm hmm Well, that's the episode. A special thanks to you for listening. Remember to subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. A rate and review would also be nice. You can also follow us on Instagram and Twitter. I'm at Gorilla Jokes. And I'm at It's Nashville. And of course, follow the podcast at, at Death and Friends Podcast. And hey, if you love this show, we've got a Patreon now. Yeah! It's mostly to cover our sound guy's medical bills. Yes, indeed. Yeah. In order to properly write medical facts, we expose Dom to all the illnesses and ways to die that we talk about on the show. This week was better than most, but mm-hmm. still. I mean, we still have to beat the shit out of him. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so there's... Also, yeah, we forced his high school bully to write mean things about him, too. Yeah. And then we sent it to everyone he's ever dated. Yeah. So, he's a little fucked up. Yeah. Oh, did you remember to let him out of the room with the rabid raccoon? Oh, shit. Oh, my God, I totally forgot to remind you. Okay. Here, let me check on him. (laughs) I think he's gonna be fine. Please check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash deathfriends. We need your help. (laughs) And remember, you are loved. You matter. And if you don't want to be your own friend, we will be your friend. With benefits. Maybe. If you're into it. Okay. Daddy? This is... Oh, no. (laughs) Until next time, skeleton army. Love you. Love you. This has been a Knavery Inc. podcast. Go to knaveryinc.com for more details. Executive produced by Jacob Duffy Halbleib. Audio design by Dominic Guanzon. Themes and transitions by Amy Doe. The fuck is a knave? Remember this is a comedy podcast? Don't use it in your research papers. We came here to do two things, chew bubblegum and eat ass. We're all out of ass. No way. Death? But in this episode, it's not just about... (coughs) (coughs) Sorry, uh, narrator Royce. It uh, it hurts. I thought you were making that a bit. I was like, <laughs> no, I was doing. It was a bit, and then my throat actually closed up. <laughs> All right, let's try that again and not die. Death. <laughs> Thank you. It's you seeing yourself in the corner, like.
<laughs> I'm my real body's over there. I'm astral projecting. I would like to astral project. Know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> Daddy Allen, Edgar, <laughs> Edgar Allen Poe's. <laughs> More like Edgar Allen Bros. <laughs> Edgar Allen Hose. Oh, why would you go with that? Wait, you're the one who wrote the script. You should have said sending it out to his Edgar Allan Hose. Damn it. Okay, go back. All right, we're just going to go back. Yeah, start from there. <laughs> well, in Baltimore, it Edgar Allan Snows, so. Oh. Well, mm-hmm. I water my garden with my Edgar Allan Hose. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that yeah. was terrible. Yeah, but um, I finally tried this new sandwich. Some Edgar Allan Joes. What about Edgar Allan Hoagies? <laughs> <laughs> Well, in Illinois, there's these things called Edgar Allan pierogies. So. <laughs> Edgar Allan Wall. Am I right, girls? Am I right, girls? <laughs> Edgar Allan Hoes. <laughs> <laughs> We're done with this bit. We're we promise. so done. We're promised. It's you over. don't even have to put it in the bloopers. <laughs> it's so Please stupid. Cut. It was Please mostly cut. for us. Uh, we Edgar Allan Pros. Because we're Edgar Allan Pros, exactly. <laughs> well, I meant pros like literary, but yes, we're also oh, Edgar Allan Pros. We're at, we're Edgar Allan Pros. Yeah, we're just doing some Edgar Allan Pros because we're Edgar Allan Pros. We got it. Yeah, and like we're just we're doing the obvious jokes because we're Edgar Allan on the nose. Yeah, so. <laughs> and it's also Edgar Allan Bro Night. We are both in tank tops. Yeah, with we're in tank caps. tops. We got backwards caps, baby. Just we're Bros before Edgar, Edgar Allan Hose. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah. We're done with the snow. Yeah. It went on too long. Stop doing the finger guns. Okay. <laughs> Death? Scary booty. Are those... Is that a ghost in your pants or is that that ass? <laughs> or are you happy to see me? <laughs> <laughs> Suddenly they came a tapping. A clapping. <laughs> a clap, clap, clapping in my chamber door. <laughs> Raven's got ass, baby. Woo! (laughs) (laughs) Oh, gross. (laughs) Oh, we're fucking morons. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Death? So Poe dies in October 19th. 1949? Wow, he lived a long time, actually. Just super long. <laughs> he saw the temperance movement. He saw... He's still alive women. today, actually. He's still alive. Yeah, he wrote the Black Parade, actually. Yeah. He also wrote all of the Pirates of the Caribbean movies. So let's start questioning it. He is Johnny Depp. <laughs> Death? It was like, Dios mío. My soul. <laughs> Chinga la madre. Yeah, what people don't know is that Edgar Allan Poe um, <laughs> was a famous Mexican, Mexican. Dude. <laughs> Yeah, famous Mexican. His name's Edgar. It's not Edgar. <laughs> oh, man. Reading it wrong this whole time. Yeah. Suddenly they came a tapping, a tapping at my door. As I nodded nearly napping, suddenly they came a rapping, rapping at my chamber door. Quote the Raymond. Fuck you. Death? This is the daddy episode. <laughs> Just tape your nipples to your neck and call it a day. <laughs>